Discover and blossom into your unlimited potential and to unlock the greater possibilities in life. And I am all about that. And that's why this is just such an amazing place to be. And I want to thank you for tuning in, whether you are hearing us live or we're on a podcast or archive, however you've arrived here, welcome and thank you for being here with us. And I did want to remind you that for all the information on her shows and all the inspiration, that can be found at thedrpatshow.com, thedrpatshow.com. Just a little bit about why I'm here today, obviously because Dr. Pat is not. <laughs> and my partner, Matt Kahn, and I are spiritual teachers and intuitive healers, and he is joining us today. Hello, Matt. Hello, Julie. How you doing? Hello. <laughs> Our company is called True Divine Nature, and like Dr. Pat's passion and purpose, we assist people in opening their hearts to deeply know the beauty and the peace that they are at their core in this moment, in the now. A lot of talk about the now, and we will talk a little bit more about that. It's often said that we restore balance and bliss in the hundreds of thousands of lives that we touch through our retreats and speaking engagements across the country, and gosh, I hope that's true. (laughs) Don't believe what you hear. (laughs) I believe it is. It is. And, and before we get a little bit more into that and today's topic, which is being one with the sweetness of life, I want to share something with you that, that touched me this weekend. It deeply touched me this weekend. And it was a clock. It was a clock at Pike Place Market. So Matt and I went to the Pike Place Market. And we live in Seattle, Washington. And yes, even as locals, we go to um, Seattle's treasure and the, the place that all the tourists go. But as locals, we like to go there, too, for the, the $10 bunches of flowers that brighten the house and, the, and our lives for the week. And, and we stumbled across a little booth that had these beautiful little clocks with flowers on them. And I just fell in love with this one clock, and Matt decided that I, I simply must have it for the house. And it's sitting right in front of me, and it's such a good reminder of balanced a balanced and blissful life that I just I just wanted to share it with you because I'm an entrepreneur like many of you and I've worked in the corporate world a lot and just busy 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 and this clock is 12 things to make besides money is what it says on it 12 things to make besides money because I think as an entrepreneur and in today's busy and kind of frenetic life it's easy to kind of get lost in all the distractions and to get out of the now and to focus on a little bit of this and focus on that and focus on the next thing. And advertising certainly keeps us focused on the next latest and greatest thing. So this clock, every second that ticks by on it, every minute that passes, reminds me of 12 things to make besides money. So it's music. At every every point where you would have a number on the clock, it's music and friends and love and peace and a wish, and dinner, which is one of our favorite things, (laughs) amends, make jokes, make magic, make art, make believe. And it's just such a precious reminder as every little tick that goes by um, to breathe and to be in that peace and to be in that that joy and balance and bliss of life and um, really relax into, into this moment. Which is why we're we're here today with Matt Con, and I'm so excited to have you here today. <laughs> Thank you, Matt. 
Well, thanks for having me, Julie. Well, I know that you've been a guest on the Dr. Pat show before, and she talked you up quite a bit about how incredibly intuitive you are and what an amazing healer you are. And um, I have to agree with her because you're one of the best I've ever known. And wow. we, we've, we've talked to a lot of our audiences and, and groups about this and how I had been on a 20-year, 20-plus year spiritual journey and been a professional seeker and explorer of all the, the metaphysics metaphysics and, and new age everything and um, just trying to answer those those age-old questions of, you know, why am I here? Who am I? What is my purpose? What is my passion? How do I give my gifts? How do I shine my light? And all that searching and seeking and bettering and improving and my gosh, that's exhausting. Um, that pretty much stopped when I met you and I I, I learned how to to let go of a lot of that struggle and and be more in peace. It just seems to be a little bit of the magic that you that you carry with you. Wonderful. It's it's, it's nice to hear. Uh, as always, and, and and as far as you know, from my point of view, I I can only share with the world, you know, what what, what I have to offer. And for me, it's this is just what I have to offer. So it's just it's humbling to know that. Um, I can be able to share my gifts as as a resource uh, for so many people, and and my joy is just to watch those gifts blossom and awaken within all of humanity, you know, one person at a time, or with the groups that we work with, and that's truly a a, a great gift, and just for all of us to know that we all have gifts to offer, and and the true humbling uh, joy is to have the ability and capacity to express and give those gifts. Absolutely. Well, and and how many lives that you touch and and how you do that is, I mean, speaks volumes. And I get, I'm I'm blessed because I get to hear the stories every day of, of how that actually unfolds in people's lives. And I want to talk to you about something that's that's going on all around the world that is hot, hot, hot right now. Um, the millions and millions of people doing the web class uh, with Oprah and Eckhart Tolle, a new Earth awakening to your life's purpose, sure. which uh, we have been getting tons of emails from all of our friends, family, colleagues, everyone is saying, are you, are you doing it? Are you watching it? And we are right there with you. <laughs> we are right there with you. We are certainly watching it and with, with great delight. We've been following uh, some of Eckhart Tolle's teachings for years and, and enjoying him. And it's such, a, it's such an interesting time, and you doing the work that you do, which is helping, guiding people through the awakening process, and that's essentially what's going on with, with Oprah's audience and, and with Eckhart's readers. And sure. The, it, we, have, we often talk about your work as you know, energy and the insights and the messages, but if, tell us a little bit about your awakening and how you came to guide people through this process of awakening, what that means. Well, I think at the beginning when I was working as an intuitive healer, uh, I would work with people. I would I would give intuitive insights as to these are the blockages that I pick up energetically, and I would shift those energetic blockages. And I thought that that was my role as an intuitive healer. And, you know, it, it was very surprising for me when just when you think you know the work that you're doing and how it all works, everything began to change. My life was literally flipped upside down, or as I say, it, it felt like the rug was pulled from underneath me. And, and one day, everything that I thought was true 
was completely gone. And How so? How'd that happen for you? God, I'm trying to remember. <laughs> one, of the, one of the consequences of, of, of a lot of this awakening work is that the memory is so foggy. But I just remember waking up and sitting um, on the couch one day and just realizing, oh, I decided to be of service, and so the world brought me people to serve. And so I thought, I think before then there was a tremendous amount of pressure I put on myself that people that come to me, I have to do what I can do to serve and they come with these blocks and they must leave healed. And I was putting a lot of pressure on myself to not only live up to be that healer, and of course there were a lot of people that were being benefited in a lot of ways, but at the same time while putting all that pressure on myself as a healer, I was also standing in my own way of letting the flow of nature which arises in the form of stillness to to bring to bring people together. Well, you and, get and then you get all caught up in the role of oh being the giver and the healer oh and all, God. and that's a lot of energy and a lot. And when, when I realize, even with the work I do intuitively, you know, the intuitions that I get, the the ability I have to empath and tune into people's feelings and read the subconscious mind, all of those things are just the gifts that I've come to bring to this earth. And those are great gifts. But at the same time, on an egoic level, what I realize is, wow, the truth is, I'm actually not that powerful to be able to stand in the way of the flow of nature. And so whatever arises naturally in the session is what that person came to receive from me. I'm here to give gifts. There are people that are here to receive those gifts, just as there are other people that are here to give gifts. There will always be those that are here to receive those gifts because that's what creates the wholeness of all experiences. If you have something to give, you will always find someone to give it to because that's what creates the wholeness of experience itself. And so there, there, there slowly became this realization that there is no longer a pressure to put on myself because what will be will be. And while that sounds a little esoteric, what began to happen is I realized this person comes to me and what they're meant to receive they can receive whether I say anything at all, whether anything I say makes sense at all, whether they agree, they will leave with what they are meant to leave with. And this took so much pressure off of myself. And the, the, the way I can kind of describe it, um, especially coming from a background of having a lot of vivid, in, you know, in, intuitive experiences, and in the beginning of my career, having that shape, the role that I played as I'm an intuitive and I'm an intuitive healer. I remember being a child, and I would always go to the grocery store with my parents. And as a child, I was a very big fan of Star Wars. And every time I'd go to the grocery store and I'd step in front of the, auto, the, the doors that would automatically open, <laughs> yeah. I would wiggle my fingers in front of the door because to my childlike mind, I thought it was my Jedi powers that were making the doors open not realizing until I was an adult that, of course, the doors automatically open to anyone that passes in front of them. I was but, a big fan of Bewitched, so for me it was always right. the nose wiggle. Twinkle your nose and the doors open. <laughs> yes. And I would even get halfway up to raising my fingers to, to, you know, to open the doors, and the doors would automatically open, and my mind would think, oh, well, I guess I'm more powerful than I thought. And so the, 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 that innocent example, which, of course, is beautiful, whenever you watch children walk up to the doors and think that they've done it themselves, that, to me, is the analogy of how the ego wrapped itself up into the role, thinking it was doing something, when really part of this journey of healing is that this is part of what I came to experience on Earth. I came to experience what it's like to be a part of the healing process. I happen to sit in this chair 
other people happen to sit in others. We play out these situations. And yet, in every moment, every instance, the joy of the healing work that is done is that there's always something that I'm learning in that moment. And, and I look at it as together we hold this space and settle into a moment of stillness. And, I, and what I really believe is that in this work is that by inviting people into a moment of stillness, and that happens through this energetic transfer of, of this healing work that is done, when we are invited into a moment of stillness, it is the stillness itself that settles the physical ailments that heals the physical body, that relaxes the mind, that silences the incessant um, thoughts. It is the stillness that does that, and I believe just part of my gift is to be that who invites one into that moment of stillness, and it is the stillness that does what it does. It is the stillness that meets itself. And when I really, truly started to understand that, um, one of the greatest gifts one of those gifts of grace was I stopped taking myself so seriously. And then I could actually find the space to do the one thing I never gave myself a chance to do, which was even enjoy myself in the times when I was working with people. That it wasn't about the end result of are they walking away thinking this, do they feel better. There was no attachment, there was no validation needed. There was, instead of the mind looking for that end result, there was a space where I allowed myself to enjoy the experience no matter what the outcome was. And it was in that where the work became even more potent, even more powerful. And I was working far less, you know, intensely and allowing through so much more. And what a gift of grace that is. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I think for all of us, that really seems to be the case that it really comes down to effort versus focus. That effort is something we put a lot of into a situation when we haven't really discovered the vast depth and power of focus, that when there is a focus towards something, there doesn't have to be a lot of effort. And when there's effort towards something, oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes it's coming from um, a lack of certainty or the effort is trying to get us to run from our own doubts. And so when we're not doubting ourselves, when we're totally anchored in the certainty of this is what I'm going to do and nothing's going to get in my way, and if anything does get in my way, that's okay. The only thing that could ever happen is that the timing of me accomplishing whatever I'm going to do could maybe not be on my schedule. The only thing that could happen is I could get frustrated with my own impatience. But I'm going to do this, and I'm going to focus on it, and time isn't an issue. And nothing is going to be proof or a sign that I'm meant to or not meant to be. I simply chose this, and I'll do this until I stop choosing it. And so when it comes down to focus versus effort, we can really, really afford the space to start to enjoy ourselves. And it's, I think, when we start to enjoy every moment, not a moment as a transitional moment to something else that's going to mean something, but we can enjoy every single moment as its own experience, as its own carnival ride. There, to me, lies where the sweetness of life can come into contact with our experience. Beautiful. Yeah. Absolutely beautiful. And uh, I'm looking at 4 o'clock on my clock. And what's the time for? 4 o'clock is time for peace. Is it time for peace? Time for peace. I but, think it's time But for I also peace. very much like the, let's see, 6, 7, 8 o'clock is jokes. And magic is 9 o'clock. 
wonderful. Nine o'clock magics, which, which reminds me of you standing at the doors waiting for them to, or making them open. I, and every time and I go to the grocery store. And wiggling my nose store, is magic. Well, every time I go to the grocery store now and this happens, every time the door opens, people around me think I'm a little insane because I just laugh. <laughs> the door's open and I'm just laughing hysterically. Because I think it's funny, or I've seen kids actually do the same thing and I, yeah. I, I smile at them and I'm like, oh, you well, know. It's is, just, it's such a beautiful, just, Throwback to and reminder of and getting us in touch with with the innocence within all of us and Absolutely. and bringing that out and bringing that to life. I mean, I I love seeing us big old adults doing crazy things that we used to do that we no longer do. And when we're we start to do them again and ex- re-experience them and bring them alive again in our lives, I mean, such craziness and freedom, right? And joy, just just pure joy, and I love that. Well, innocence is what returns when the heart opens. Yes. Right? When the heart opens, we reunite with innocence. And then what happens is that we then act upon our innocence, sometimes in a world with people who haven't necessarily returned their innocence. And we, we oftentimes, you know, avoid or have a fear of, you know, daring to be foolish, as I sometimes say. And then what happens is in order to not be seen by the world in a certain way or to not be, to, to not, um, you know, we receive whatever thought from someone or, or to be seen in, in a less than way, we then push away and we, we avoid or we um, abandon once again the innocence and then the heart closes once again and then we go, oh, I have to open my heart again. But really, the heart opens, the innocence returns, and if we could only learn to just be in relationship with innocence and however that affects the world around us, is part of how we are acting in being a teacher to that world, to the people that we're interacting with. And I think some of the best lessons are in daring to be foolish when we can do something that someone might look at and go, oh, my God. And it's anyone's judgment of what we're doing that's basically saying if we were to translate any kind of egoic thought or judgment, what that person's actions or thought is basically saying is, wow, I don't have the freedom to do what you're doing. So instead of admire that, I'll just stop and judge instead. Well, and, so, and, and a big part of your teachings is about how we are all teachers to each other in sure. this great classroom of life. Yes. And how other, we, we grow from watching other people just, just be totally out there and like, wow, right. that is fearless and that is inspirational and that is, that is crazy and that is amazing. Right. And, and then us being the ones that do that too. And, and you and I are... Not tall people. We're rather petite people, and, and we get out in public, and we do <laughs> we do some crazy things, and right. people are like, "Oh my gosh, this is hilarious!" These two short people that are just just mayhem and craziness, and um, and it's funny too because we've done some of these crazy and inhibited things just because we're in the moment and being like little children, yeah. and people will look. And I remember when someone looked at me. I was um, at a mall. Uh, I, I was doing something wacky. I forgot what I was doing. I don't think you were with me at the time. And someone kind of looked at me, and I turned to them, and I said, and to think I didn't even consult you before I did this. Which to me is just hilarious, because that's the look that people give you is like, right. I, I didn't approve this. To think there were no reality, reality TV cameras on me at the time, and I wasn't, you know, <laughs> profiting from this or doing this, you know, for any other reason than just the pure joy erupting from the deepest part of my soul. Right. I apologize. I had to get it out. Right. I apologize, sir, but you're also in my moment. <laughs> yes. Right. We're sharing this moment together, and part of that means you're going to be in the audience of 
of, of this uh, reality that, that, that I'm experiencing, and vice versa. We'll take turns. Yes, and I've actually enjoyed being uh, far away on some of those moments, I, I have know. to say, where I've like, seen it from afar going, oh, gosh, here we go, right. <laughs> here we go. Well, and I think the beautiful thing is when we're just living uninhibited, and there's a difference between living uninhibited in an uninhibited way and being uninhibited to acquire a reaction. There's quite a difference in that. Right. Right? One is... I'm trying to get a reaction because it feeds my sense of individuality, which of course is no, which is exactly, you know, no less egoic than someone trying to fit into, you know, whatever life says is reasonable and 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 just. When you're just living uninhibited, you realize that I am celebrating the nature of freedom by being as I wish. Right now, I am being as I wish. This is what it looks like as I be as I wish. And we always talk about being as I wish without doing harm to anyone else or anything. Right, so being of as you wish and being, you know, doing whatever, you know, fills you with joy and brings, brings you know, an openness to your heart. Well, and, and of course, true freedom. True freedom can only be the choices we make that don't limit the choices of others. That's and, what I was trying to say. Well, you know, yeah. so we're being as we wish, and here you know, we work as a team, of course. <laughs> where, where we be as we wish, and if I, as, as I am being as I wish, I am making choices that are not limiting the choices of others, then it is just my, my little dance and celebration that this body of mine is an expression of, the, of that which is eternal, that which comes from that place of nowhere to suddenly appear in the form that expresses the exquisite beauty and diversity of you know, creation itself, only to come and observe and interact with other beautiful, diverse creations as well. And this is the dance of joy that I do to celebrate that, you know, the freedom of being. And, and, and I think that it's in that demonstration, because oftentimes in the spiritual circles or in whatever circles we find ourselves in, we can talk all day about this. And we can talk about this in terms of words and terms and steps and do this and do that. And the funny thing is, is that while we're studying all of this knowledge, it's funny how studying knowledge can often at the same point also be a means to avoid embodying it. Mm-hmm. And so at a certain point, and this gets back to what we're talking about, about awakening, mm-hmm. the awakening occurs to realize not that studying knowledge isn't good and it's not about, okay, that's bad now because I have to push that away. It's realizing at a certain point, oh, even the studying of knowledge can become a compulsion that can be a way of distracting myself from embodying that when you're embodying, when you're putting into action what you've read, you, there's no part of you that needs to remember what you've read. There's no part of you that needs to repeat it because you're actually being it. Mm-hmm. Right? We don't have to talk about peace when we move, we move peacefully. When you're it, being it. Right. When I'm being peace. If I am peace, I speak peacefully. And being it is different than doing it, isn't it? I mean, it's not like I'm going to go do peace. Well, you can't really do peace. You can only realize uh, the peace that's already here. Peace is one of those amazing things. There's a lot of different emotions. And, you know, in a lot of this work, we all want different emotional states. And, of course, one of the biggest cruxes of the healing journey is that we think when we're feeling a negative emotion, that negative emotional state is an indication that something is not right in our world and we need something to absolve it into a positive state, which is in itself an amazing, um, an amazing distraction towards the reality that's existing in both those states. Oftentimes one of the greatest teachings is 
when you know freedom, when you know what you are as an expression of freedom itself, the emotional state is kind of like just the weather patterns of the moment. The emotion, the weather patterns basically being just your emotions. That whether it's sunny or raining, it doesn't take away from the experience you can have in the moment. It's kind of like if we, if we went to our favorite restaurant and we would, you know, the thought was, okay, but if it starts raining, that's going to mean it's not, you know, it won't be a good meal. And all of a sudden our food is being brought to the table and, and as it's being brought to the table, it starts raining outside. Mm-hmm. It's not as if we would go, oh, now that it starts raining, this can't be good food. The, the rain outside has no indication or no ability to limit our experience of what that will be. And the same, I think, is on the emotional level, that the emotions are just our inner weather patterns. And when we learn to disidentify with the weather patterns of emotions and our experience of it itself, you know, insight may arise, and we find ourselves freeing ourselves. We can go, even though I'm feeling this way or that way, you know, each emotion becomes something different to love, and each emotion that arises is attached to a part of our identity in the past, to a part of us who experienced life with the disappointment of remembering what it was like to be that version of ourselves that wasn't loved, whether it was a seven-year-old self or the eight-year-old mm-hmm. self or the 20-something-year-old self. All emotions that arise negatively are just attached to the memory of what in the past we once were, which was just a memory of what it was like to not be loved. And so each emotion becomes something different to love. Absolutely. And, and I, I appreciate you sharing that with us. I'm sure people are getting this on a lot of different levels. Sure. And may have some questions about this, and I want to I want to kind of take this a little bit deeper, and I want to let people know where they can find even more information out about you and teachings, and because we just have a brief time together um, on the Dr. Pat show, so I uh, wanted to to talk about your website, true our website, truedivinenature.com. Absolutely. True, D-I-V-I-N-E, truedivinenature.com. Lots of great articles that you've written, some audio clips, uh, past Dr. Pat shows that you've been on. Right, and we're now on YouTube. And I did want to mention YouTube. Uh, lots of great new clips there of some of your teachings. Right. Um, what are some of the ones that we posted on there? Transmission of Presence. Transmission of Presence. We also did um, life, life, life is Your Teacher. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also posted a clip which takes a look at the law of attraction through the eyes of awakening because I think, you know, the, the law of attraction is a very popular topic right now and it's, it's amazing that that has become a vehicle for many people to be able to understand a reality beyond, beyond what their eyes are showing them or beyond what their mind is labeled in form it's amazing how that's taken off in the way it has but i think with all of the information that's put out there i think there's even another level to the law of attraction that has become you know clear to me and so if it's become aware to me all i can do is share the information with the world and if it makes sense to someone that was of course one of the reasons why i was meant to share it so exactly you know that was one of the most um really powerful that i i think worth um you know really um, juicy clips that I really like. Because timely really, and relevant. Yeah. Uh, yes, timely yeah. and relevant, too. So it's, it's truedivinenature.com, and then if you go to YouTube and you want to kind of delve deeper into the teachings and see Matt's beautiful face, you can do that <laughs> by typing in Matt, M-A-T-T, Con, K-A-H-N, Matt Con, and should be the first 
first guy who pops up who's Matt Kahn. So <laughs> Should be. Lots of great clips, lots of great information, and and of course it's it's the watching and it's the listening, but it's also the the energy that comes in the transmission of the messages and how that feels and just noticing how that that feels in your body and letting that kind of just wash over you and right. maybe you agree with it and maybe you don't maybe it stirs something else that was unexpected right. and that's okay too that's what it's there for and right. what we're here for and providing you know help and support with with questions and answers and shall we open up the phone lines Absolutely, I'd love that. So, because uh, we we probably do have some questions, and I would love to be able to get to them and, and answer them, because I know other people have been watching the web classes and are going, "What is this whole awakening thing and consciousness?" Right. And I, you know, I don't know that I call it a spiritual movement. I don't know that I call it awakening movement, but there is right. definitely something really powerful going on, and people are right. are talking about it. Well, and, and, so, and to call it a spiritual movement would be to. Um, would be to, I wouldn't say avoid, but would be to exclude all those that don't identify themselves as being spiritual. Right. So I think it's more of exactly. a movement of humanity. It's more of a human awakening. It's, it's more of humanity waking up and realizing, oh, there is a much deeper level of capacity. My potential doesn't stop where my mind thinks it ends. Right. That, so, this, so, that there is a, a deeper continuation into a level of consciousness that I am just now being introduced to. And so, really, I think it, it actually speaks to, if there is an awakening, it is an awakening, the evolution of humanity. And we're all invited. And we're yeah, all so, so let us invite humanity. Let me give the phone numbers. Yeah, invite humanity. <laughs> humanity to call us. And any questions that you have for our guest, Matt Kahn, today. Uh, U.S., it's a toll-free number in the U.S., 877-876-5227. Again, that's 877-876-5227 if you have a, a question for Matt Kahn. And our Canadian friends as well at 888-815-9756. If you're in Canada and would like to call in, 888-815-9756. So those are the numbers. If you have a, a question and would like to join us, we'd love to. Absolutely. What I wanted to kind of just um, add, we were talking before about, you know, the awakening work. Please. And, Please. you know, I, I still work as an intuitive healer, but now I, the, the spiritual teacher just feel, to me feels more like a deeper fit. And I think what the difference is is, you know, before people, like I said, people would come and I'd shift the energies. Do you want to change play. that and be a, a humanitarian teacher instead of a spiritual teacher? Yeah, yeah, I think that's next. <laughs> Give it a couple minutes. That will even change. Okay. And then there won't even be a word at all. Right. It will be a space of sound. You tell me what you think I am. Right. But, um, and, I, you know, we would shift energy and that would happen, and that still happens in the transmission. When, when the words are spoken, the, ener- the transmission, you know, creates whatever kind of shift will inevitably be there. But I think as a spiritual teacher, intuitively what happens in a session is not only am I there giving insights, and the insights, of course, are helping people to see the wisdom that they're meant to see in the moment, to get what they're not getting or to get what's being shared with them that seems so hidden on so many levels. You know, what is the universe trying to say to me? And, of course, in these sessions, we can express that into words while the energy in the words is, of course, doing all of the healing work. But on another level, intuitively, I am guided absolutely intuitively as to what to say and how to say it in the session. Sometime in the sessions, it is bringing the insights that we are meant to see. Sometimes in the session, it is 
meant to be not necessarily uh, negative, but a, a graceful challenge of bringing someone to realize, oh, this is, I'm not, you know, I'm not hitting against a wall. This is the wall of my own limiting thoughts. And there is no limit or barriers to how the session takes place. And of course, with the grace of the universe guiding each session, it is simply whatever it needs to be to awaken that being to its fullest potential, to realize what is not being realized so that that being can begin to make decisions and make choices that brings about experiences that haven't been experienced before. And I think that's the real freedom is, okay, the past shows us what has already been done. The past shows us what we've already experienced, whether how well that worked or didn't work. And this new moment is here so that we can try and attempt what hasn't ever been done before. And that, to me, is the exciting invitation that this awakening brings to all of us. It's very exciting. It is. I w- well, I was going to ask you how you feel about all of this. I mean, it's it's popping up everywhere now, and um, and it's thankful, thankful, thankful because my greatest, in 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 my opinion, you know, whatever that's worth. But my opinion as as a teacher, my job is to give all that I can give, so that my role as a teacher is irrelevant. My focus is to give so that I can become irrelevant because what I think the greatest gift for humanity with this awakening that's happening is it's taking the, taking the focus off of that one person or those individuals, those you know, specially selected people that people put on pedestals and say, oh, they're the ones that know it and I have to aspire to be like them. And those people hold you know, the position of determining when someone has worked enough to be like them. To me, that's, an, that's the old paradigm, and it is not about let me follow what someone else does and be like them and, you know, mimic them and, you know, put on the spiritual teacher costume and say what Matt says and, you know, say the jokes and laugh at the things Matt laughs at so I can be like Matt. It's that those that are here to serve, which we all are in different ways, are here to become just clear reflections of what is present within all. And so if you're in a moment and in that moment life is teaching you something spiritual or there is a moment of stillness that arises, it is that person just being a vehicle and a vessel for that stillness. It is that person just reflecting what is alive within oneself. And I think that sometimes gets lost within teachings is that the teacher is reflecting the truth of the student. And oftentimes the mind of the student doesn't want to, doesn't have a chance to realize that because they're so ingrained in, I must still look at myself as a student because I want to be attached to the teacher. Well, and isn't it always that the student shows up at just the perfect moment, too? Of course. And, and, and the funny thing is, to the teacher, the student is the teacher. Right. Which is the irony of this, that the student is trying to be like the teacher and the teacher is learning from the student. That's the irony of this whole ridiculous reality, which I love this reality. It's a hilarious reality, and I think one of the greatest things that we can all do is if we were all to embody the wisdom of the sages and greatest teachers and saints from any lifetime, the experience we would have would be enjoying ourselves. Well, it is. It's such a comical reality. If we can just keep our sense of humor about right. it. My goodness, and that's uh, 8 o'clock on, on my, my little clock here. Yeah. Jokes. Jokes. Jokes, which reminds me. Yes. Earlier you were talking about 
we're talking about being in the present moment. Right. And I just want to give um, people a little insight into how that works in our lives about being so much in the now. It's like there there are some pros and cons to that, I have to say, because uh, living with someone, Matt is so in the present moment that literally forgot what happened five seconds ago, five days ago, and how interesting that has been in our relationship right. to be in relationship with someone who is so in the now. You're like, oh, hey, don't you remember when we strolled on the beach? Or whatever? And you're like, where was that? What was that? Yeah. Um, and yet, how intuitively you you uh, you remember and and recall, you know, we call them files. Pull them up, and and right. I go, how do you remember that? You don't remember what we ate. Right. Well, most of what I remember there and I do recall in my past has to be accessed intuitively because yes. I don't actually have a conscious memory of a lot of things. Even from, for example, from the beginning of this interview to now, I actually don't really remember or recall what we've even talked about. And and even like you know with some of the memories, it's not that those memories aren't important. That's why important. we have archives. I know yeah. that's what's so helpful. Um, and it's not like anything in the past isn't important. It's that this moment is to me of the only importance. And what needs to be known in that moment will be known. And if it's not, it's not. Well, and I and I I love that about you. That's one of the things that um, in our relationship as we work things out that I'm sure other people are working out the same things too and they can all relate is um, just you know, being so in the moment sometimes when, oh my gosh, you and I actually have an argument. No, right, imagine that. So, and I will do a dirty deed and one of the top ten no-nos of whatever and bring up something from the past or the last time we had that little thing and I'll go, well, do you remember the book? And you're like, no, we're, we're in this moment, and right. this moment is now, and the most important thing now is number three on my clock, which is low. Let's bring this moment back to the most important thing that we could focus on. You know, this, it's not about the money. It's not about who did what or didn't do what. It's about bringing this life, this relationship back to balance and bliss, back to love. Right. And as much as I want to kick and scream right. um, and I want to throw a little tantrum, there's there's a part of me that finds such deep um, beauty in that and I so appreciate that reminder every time, even though it's really hard to hear and my ego just wants to I know. Just <laughs> but it's it's so Right on. And that, it's, well, at the same time, so you know. True. Well, at the same time, you know, I just want to jump in about that. One thing they said about the ego, you know, gets as much as it doesn't want to hear it. And I think for all egos, you know, all egos are basically <laughs> the same ego. Ego being basically just a, a level of consciousness. And, and really, for all egos, right? If you could way. just be quiet, then I could be right. No, I mean that's that's really what it's it's like. Hey, right. The more he talks, the more he's going to make sense. The more I'm going to like start to agree with him and then I'm going to lose my power and, well, so, and the, right. so the ego is, is you know totally fighting to stay in power and in control and once you realize what it's doing then right. you know you can you can relax a bit folks <laughs> you can just you, you can enjoy the ride a bit more right when, you know, when, when the realization becomes oh I'm you know what I am is never upset what I am is witnessing this experience it is the egoic itself it is the idea of what, who I think I am that is maybe upset by the moment, and of course we're only upset in a moment in a moment where we don't feel like we have enough control, or when 
something is occurring that isn't allowing the ego to constantly pump more power into the idea of itself. So a lot of egos feel most empowered when they are the best at what they do. Mm. If there's an idea you have of yourself, you can only feel good about yourself when the rest of the world is less than what you are. Right. So I can only truly know that I'm really wealthy and rich in my ego if I'm living amongst a world of people that are poor and impoverished. And we don't think consciously, oh, I, I really don't think that. But on a subconscious level, that's how the ego operates. And when we bring it to consciousness, it's not to judge ourselves, not to judge other egos. I mean, one of the silliest things in, in any of the spiritual uh, developments or in any kind of spiritual path is when we start to understand the ego, and then the ego starts to be what points its finger at other egos. It starts mm-hmm. to be the part of the ego police, <laughs> right? It starts to walk around and goes, oh, and it's really the ego learning concepts about itself, but... Of course, the way it continues to pump power in itself by being in opposition with the world is I'm going to be the e- I'm going to be the one that points fingers at other egos, which of course pumps more power into itself. It's kind of the ego's way of of avoiding the disempowering process of settling into the present moment. Because right. of course, when we're all present or when we're just relaxing in peace, because presence is one of those words where people think it's something we have to achieve. That on the final day of this spiritual, you know, retreat, you're all going to be asked to go into the present moment and you're all going to be graded as to how good you do it. We're all thinking we have to achieve the present moment. And really, presence is something that is here, whether you're busy thinking about something, whether you're distracted, whether you're realizing your presence or not. It's kind of as if presence doesn't mind what you're doing in the moment because whatever you are doing, it is present with that. And so presence is really just the realization of, oh, this is happening and I have the chance to just rest in this experience. And when we rest in this experience, the ego doesn't have anything to fight with, doesn't have anything to oppose. And if you were to imagine this ego itself, that whenever there's nothing to oppose or nothing to argue with, it gets bored, it gets frustrated, and it starts to fear its own demise. And so if you could understand, as the world would understand, that the moment you stop stimulating the ego, it's like it starts to go into this panic attack of fearing its own demise. And that's usually when people come to us and they go, oh my gosh, I want to work with Matt because I'm going through this, unhooking this, letting go, and I've got questions, I'm at a crossroads. Right. I'm aware of how much time we have left on the show, and I want to remind people again, the website is truedivinenature.com, truedivine, D-I-V-I-D-I-V-I-N-E, truedivinenature.com, and if uh, listeners go to your calendar page, um, everything you've just been talking about, peace is what you are. We have a lot of uh, presentations coming up on peace is what you are so people can learn more about that as we've said earlier on the youtube clips and speaking engagements peace is what you are at your core and i know that um we want to talk about for a moment the creation of a new product that kind of a, a new cd a new what would you call it a new experience yeah, a new experience. is a peace experience. People always come to us and they go, I want more peace in my life. I want more peace. 
How do I do more peace? How do I have more peace? How do I be more peace? Exactly. Well, you know what's really funny about that? Is I had someone, you know, people come and how do I do, how do I have more peace? And I remember a few times where I've actually sat there and I said, you know, I really don't even know, which isn't actually even the truth. It's just I knew by saying that and they had that huh experience or people have that what? You don't know? <laughs> that huh becomes the actual experience of that peace. Yes. That sometimes it's, a, it's in a state of being dumbfounded, right? It's like the first meditation isn't om, it's huh. That's why I said when I, when I met you and I started getting into these teachings that it was about stopping. Right. And it wasn't trying to stop these things. No. It was those, it was those huh no. moments where you just stop. It just, it just naturally happens. Exactly. I'll be there with you in whatever you are resisting to show you that, you know, to show you that it, it really, it isn't so bad that really we each, we all are our own best spiritual teachers. If we could learn to tolerate ourselves, being nice to the world wouldn't seem so difficult. And so the ego and the enlightened one that lives within all becomes actually one and the same. That's actually part of what comes in this awakening, is you realize, oh, ego is not what I'm trying to get rid of. I'm not trying to annihilate ego. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to cleanse and purify myself so that once I'm free and clear of anything that reeks of imperfection, then I'll know I've arrived. That, oh, this that is completely imperfect is what constantly brings me into a relationship of unconditional compassion unconditional acceptance yeah. and unconditional love with myself and that which I have a relationship within myself as unconditional patience and love and acceptance and, and compassion becomes that which becomes available for me to share with the world. And when that is not something I can give to the world or when I find it difficult to offer to the world or when even the world is causing me to react in a way that feels the opposite of compassion, love, and acceptance. And I know that the world is just showing me, oh, I haven't spent enough time giving those things to myself. Other things have been important, and then we bring that into balance. And so right. consciousness is such an amazing thing where we can really see what's happening. First of all, consciousness is amazing that 50 people can see 50 different things happening in the same moment. Exactly. But when we really, truly can become aware and awaken to what is actually happening then everything you will ever need as a reminder, everything you ever need to know is here in this moment. And when you really awaken to that, you become the embodiment of those teachings. And the trade-off with becoming the embodiment of those teachings, of course, is that when you embody what the teachings point to, there's no longer a, a seeker in you looking for teachings. You don't look mm-hmm. for teachings that are only becoming the reminders of what you're already embodying it. So if you're already the embodiment of those things, there's nothing to look for. And it's in the no longer looking for those teachings because you're embodying it that becomes the true stopping, the true settling in, and the true awakening to the beauty of this moment that we're all equally a part yes. of. Yes, well, and our moments are are uh, coming to a close in just a, a few short minutes, and so I really did want to give you just a moment sure. to to talk about That's right. your latest creation, and I, I believe you had an announcement for us as well. An announcement. Yes. Well, I, you know, the, the, the what we created the chocolate meditation, and we were you know doing we were talking 
Being um, one with the sweetness of life. Yes, the chocolate meditation, being one with the sweetness of life. And I, um, you know, I think when we came up with this is because, you know, you know we, we're chocolate lovers. We love eating chocolate, uh, you know, specifically dark chocolate, the darkest chocolate possible, and um, is, is just absolutely delicious. But what I was recalling when I was thinking of the chocolate meditation is I remember being a kid and I remember, you know, times of eating chocolate, and I remember when I was eating chocolate that the world around me could disappear and I wouldn't know it because I was just immersed in the, in the sensation of eating chocolate. I remember talking to family members who were in the middle of having some sort of emotional crisis and the middle of that crisis and breaking down, they'd be in the middle of tears flowing in the middle of the story, and I'd say, oh, chocolate? Uh, what? Yes, I'd love one. And they'd eat it and then go back to the story. And I, I've just noticed that just like the stopping that this work can awaken one to, that chocolate in itself is kind of like a very cleverly disguised stopping point for people, that no matter what's happening, the chocolate becomes the stop and stops us in whatever story we're immersed in, and we become present to all the delicious tastes and textures of the chocolate, and then the idea came, why not create a chocolate meditation where not only we could be in this meditation experience, not taking ourselves so seriously. So we have, we have about one minute left. Right. And so I, I know that it's, it's a beautiful experience. Oh, it's wonderful. Two meditations on there. One is for world global gratitude. Right. And then the chocolate meditation experience and just getting in touch with that inner child, like innocence and getting in touch with the, the peace that you are at your core that you talk about so much. Absolutely. So, and that is available through truedivinenature.com. Absolutely, the chocolate so, meditation. It's okay. Um, get a, uh, in touch with us there. Yeah, and, and I just I just think that you know it gives all of us a chance to really we create the chocolate meditation so that all of us can practice or be in the embodiment of what all these teachings point to. Um, that we can all, no matter where we're at or what we realize or don't understand, the chocolate meditation just is an invitation into that experience of what is already here, not what has to be looked for. And really, we, we just created this product so that what we teach can be available to all, whether they're in person with us or meeting us through this type of transmission on this radio exactly. show. Exactly. So, it's, so just, it's a way to go even, even deeper into this sweetness of life. And this has been a very sweet and short hour. I know. <laughs> and I thank you so much for, for being here. And, again, it's truedivinenature.com. Matt Kahn, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Special thanks to Dr. Pat for letting me share this time with you. And I'm Julie Dittmar. And until next time, may your heart overflow with love, peace, compassion and all the sweetness that life has to offer. Thanks for joining us. Blessings.